Well, good morning. It is so good to be able to worship with my church family Sunday after Sunday, but especially during this season of Advent. Uh, we are in the midst of a sermon series that I'm calling, creatively enough, the Songs of Advent. It occurred to me as I was reading through the early gospel, uh, early chapters of the Gospel of Luke, that um, that it's like a musical. There's this dialogue that happens between characters, but then all of a sudden when something really important is about to happen in the early chapter of Luke's Gospel, the character just like breaks out into song. And so I thought, why not look at some of those songs during the season of Advent? Today we're looking at Zechariah's song. Zechariah's song. And it's from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. And the first thing I want you to know about Zechariah's song is that it is a song that comes as the result of waiting. Waiting. Now I thought I would ask the question, how good are you at waiting? If I were to ask those for a show of hands, who feels like waiting is in your wheelhouse? It's one of your strong suits. How many of you would say yes? Well, let me give you just an example of my own life in the last week to show you how well I wait. I was on my way to the office one morning last week when it occurred to me I needed a birthday card. And so it occurred to me that I was going to pass a Dollar Tree on the way in. They open at 8 o'clock. I'll breeze in, get me a birthday card, and breeze right out. So when I walked into the store, I looked over there, there's nobody in the checkout line. So I run and I grab the best 50 cent cards you can find in Dollar Tree. And I come back, and as I'm coming back to the checkout line, there's a woman who's making a way for the checkout line in front of me. And she had a cart full of stuff from the Dollar Tree. If you want to know how much stuff she had from the Dollar Tree, her total bill was over $65. I've never seen anybody buy that much stuff at the Dollar Tree. Now, I thought that she would look back at me as she's making her way to the checkout and see that I had one birthday card. And she would say, Sir, why don't you go ahead? You have one card and I have $65 worth of stuff. But she did not. The second hope that I had in that moment was that the lady who was checking her out might see that there was someone behind her that had one 50-cent card and maybe she'd pick up the pace a little bit in her checkout. But no, it was like, bloop, bloop. Needless to say, I did not wait well. It was tough. It was hard. I was upset. I was frustrated. I was angry. How well do you wait? I, I thought I'd give you a little quiz this morning just to see. Suppose you're driving somewhere and you come up on a traffic light and it turns red and so everybody stops. There's a car in front of you. And when the light turns green and the car in front of you doesn't immediately accelerate through the traffic intersection, how do you respond? A, do you say, I'm going to use this time to practice silence and stillness because eventually this lady is going to be aware that the light has turned from red to green and she will proceed through the intersection. 
Or B, do you tap on the horn? Not long, long enough just to let her know that the light has turned from red to green and she could proceed through the intersection, but not so long that it might indicate just how frustrated you are that this woman has not gone through the traffic intersection yet. Or C, do you prove once again that the horn is your favorite feature on the car? And you lay in on that horn as long and as hard as you can to make sure this person knows that you've got places to be. You've got people to see. How well do you do at waiting? Just another one for fun. Suppose you're in the doctor's office for a 10 o'clock appointment. It's 10.45 by now. How do you respond? Do you say, you know, I'm really enjoying remembering what National Geographic wrote back in 2009 in this magazine that I found on the tabletop? Or do you fake a phone call to somebody and tell them that you've got this highly contagious and awful disease in the hopes that it clears the waiting room out and you get to go a little faster to see the doctor? Or better yet, have you ever hyperventilated just so everybody will freak out and you immediately move to the front of the line? How well do you wait? Well, one of Zechariah's defining characteristics of his life is recorded in this passage of Scripture is his ability to wait. To wait. We're told that Zechariah is a blameless man, that he's righteous, that he's obedient to God, that he follows all of God's commandments. And yet we're also told that Zechariah is childless. Now, make no mistake about it, to be childless in Zechariah's time was a bit of a problem. You know, one of the things that, that people assumed is that if you were highly favored by God, you'd have children of your own. In fact, remember last week when we talked about Mary's song, one of the, the angel, one of the things the angel told her was that you are highly favored by God. And what? You're going to have a baby. But Zechariah doesn't have a child. He's childless. So, uh, we're told that Elizabeth is, is barren. And, and so not only is he not seeing this sign of God's favor, but there are a lot of people, maybe even Zechariah himself, that's decided that he is disfavored by God in some way. And yet we're told that Zechariah waits and that Zechariah prays. Before the passage of Scripture that we read today, we learn that Zechariah gets this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He's a priest. There are about 20,000 of them, scholars say, during that time. Uh, they had different sections of about 1,000 apiece. And so, uh, whenever your section was on duty, you would actually go to the temple. And out of that 1,000 or so priests that were outside of the temple, they would cast lots. And maybe just a few of those folks would actually get to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and light incense. There were so many priests that there was a really good chance that you'd never get to do this in your lifetime. And if you ever got to do it once, it was almost unheard of that you could ever do it a second time. And, and so, Zechariah gets that opportunity to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and to light the incense. And when he does, we're told that he is visited by an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. And you are going to have a son. 
Now, have you ever prayed for something for so long and so hard that when it finally happens, it's almost impossible to believe that it actually happened? That seems to be what's gone on here with Zechariah. I mean, he's clearly prayed about this because the angel says, You've heard your pray- uh, we've heard your prayer, but, but when the angel tells him what's going to happen, he's like, I just don't know if I believe this. How, how can this be? You know, we're old. And he starts doing all that. And, and it appears as if the angel gets kind of frustrated with with him if you read the story. And you got to really work hard, I would think, to frustrate an angel, don't you think? And so the angel, frustrated with him, says, all right, Zechariah, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be struck with angelic laryngitis for the next nine months. You won't be able to speak again until the sun that I promised you was coming comes. And sure enough, that's what happens. Nine months go by. Finally, Elizabeth gives birth to the son. They name him John. And all of a sudden, Zechariah is able to speak. And he doesn't just speak. He breaks out in song. And we read that song as a part of our Scripture lesson this morning. Well, it's Communion Sunday. I really can't unpack all this the way I'd like to. I want to leave you two things about this story of Zechariah, about the song that he sings, uh, about him waiting and praying. Um, While he waited on God, he prayed. Now, there was no guarantee that the prayer that he prayed as he waited would ever be answered, especially in the way that he wanted it to be answered. But in a room this size, a lot of us are waiting on something. We're waiting on our marriage to get better. We're waiting on our uh, income to get better. We're waiting on uh, a loved one who's really sick. We're waiting. And one of the things that Zechariah teaches us through the sharing of his story is that while you wait, you pray. You pray. It doesn't mean that you're always going to get what you pray for. In fact, I sort of wish that Zechariah didn't get the son that he prayed for because my heart goes out for all the people that pray just as faithfully as Zechariah did, who love and are obedient to God just as much as Zechariah was, and is pray and they pray and they pray and they pray and the kid doesn't come. Zechariah wasn't praying because he viewed prayer as transactional. I'm going to do this, God, so that you'll do that. Zechariah prayed because he understood prayer to be relational. It's a way of constantly acknowledging that there's so much that I cannot do on my own. There's so much that I cannot control on my own. But I pray to the One who can do all things. I pray to the One who says that nothing is impossible. And I don't know if the prayer will get answered the way that I want it to, when I wanted to, how I wanted to, Zechariah prayed for years and years and years and years. No sign whatsoever that the prayer was going to be answered. And guess what Zechariah continued to do? He prayed. And he waited. And I think that that can be a wonderful teaching moment for us. We just keep going to God and we say, God, You know my heart. You know my desires. You know my wishes. But ultimately, I trust You. 
Ultimately, I love you. And despite the fact that things haven't happened the way that I wanted them to, in the timeline that I wanted it to, I'm still going to keep waiting. And I'm still going to keep praying. And Zechariah remained faithful in that waiting and praying. And the Lord heard him. And the Lord answered him. And that would be my prayer for you.